Welcome to Becoming Referrable, the podcast that shows you how to become the kind of advisor people can't stop talking about. I'm Steve Wershing. You know, we hear a lot about social media, the opportunities for it, and you probably have a website and a LinkedIn profile of your own. But how exactly do you leverage those digital platforms to actually get to meet real, live, ideal, prospective clients? In this episode, we talk with Ben Niffen, who's president and COO of Linked Selling and president of the Elite Digital Group. And we talk about how to leverage those platforms, specifically LinkedIn, to attract more folks to establish relationships with people and eventually to convert them over time into ideal clients. We start with the basics of how to optimize your LinkedIn profile. We talk a little about paid social and how you can promote yourself affirmatively on those platforms, all the way to establishing LinkedIn groups, even transitioning from the virtual groups to -to face-to-face events where you get to bump into those ideal prospects in person. Listen through to the end where we talk about how to play the long game of marketing and what you can expect to get in terms of return on those investments and how fast you can expect to see it. There are a lot of really good actionable ideas in this episode. Uh, We think that you will get a lot out of it. So we hope you enjoy our conversation with Ben Niffen. Ben Niffen, welcome to the Becoming Referrable podcast. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm I'm actually really excited to be here, and hopefully, you know, I, I happen to know a couple of directions this conversation will go, but hopefully, I can uh, uh, give some information and some some knowledge to your group and community that'll that'll benefit and helping them grow their their business and uh, just generate more business, you know, for them as a whole. Well, we will do our best to surprise and disorient you through the conversation. So, uh, but before we go, before we do that, why don't we tell it, you've run a business that that, um, helps uh, your clients, folks like financial advisors, uh, build their businesses through LinkedIn. Can you give us some background on that? Tell us a little bit about what your business is about. For sure. Yeah. So what's interesting is you'll commonly, if you hear me speaking, you know, either live or other podcasts, you might've heard me say this before, but um, we get branded as LinkedIn experts a lot uh, because it's it's a very common tool, or, you know, it's it's a powerful tool that we use. But it's really just that it's a tool. And so, you know, in the in the same vein, I always say you wouldn't call a carpenter a hammer expert; you call him a carpenter. <laughs> but sure. but he is he is a hammer expert. And so, really, what we what we are uh, is uh, typically we're known as uh, either. B2B lead gen specialists or just lead generation specialists in, in, in general is that our business, our focus is generating leads for our clients, helping them, especially if you have a, um, a high ticket type of sale. Uh, we don't typically work with clients who are trying to sell $50 widgets unless they're trying to sell a million of them at a time per se. So, uh, and the way that we started that business is just myself and, and my partner in crime, Josh Turner, you may have heard uh, speak in a number of different arenas. Uh, just both of us had histories using LinkedIn to generate leads. And, and also both of us had histories with our family being involved in real estate and construction services during the, um, you know, the crash of uh, two, you know, the 2008 crash. And so we, we both were involved in businesses that were close to us that just got really affected and couldn't couldn't keep their doors open because they didn't have enough leads essentially. 
And so just through some of our, you know, own individual backgrounds, uh, Josh and I have been friends for, oh my gosh, uh, over 20 years now. And we started a number of businesses together, but this one grew out of the fact that we just saw a need that a lot of small businesses out there don't know how to market themselves. They don't know how to generate leads. They don't know how to increase sales and they need help with that. They're, they're experts at the thing they specialize in doing. But when you really start growing a small business, you realize pretty quick, not only do you need to be good at the thing that you do, you need to be good at generating leads and getting yourself to additional sales opportunities to be able to really grow and survive. Yeah. So now from what I understand about your process and and let's hear it in your words, but I know a lot of it's based on really promoting expertise and becoming mm-hmm. that that definitive resource in a, in a particular field. Can you talk to us a little bit about that strategy and and maybe how that applies in financial services? Yeah, absolutely. I think that this community is the perfect example for this where, you know, by and large we could say that there's a lot of financial advisors out there, right? You you if you if this is the space you play in, you have a lot of competitors. That's just, you know, it's just a fact. And I think if you're in a place where you say, hey, I I provide these services and, you know, I I try really hard, you know, but so does the guy down the street and the other guy down the street. And pretty soon you're just kind of lost amongst the crowd. You just look like everybody else. And so for us, what we're trying to do with our clients or, you know, the, the, even our students who are in programs where we, we train and teach this process to is, uh, trying to get our clients to elevate themselves to what we call, you know, a, a leadership authority status. They they want to get to a level where they are viewed differently than their competitors because of how they've positioned themselves on the internet, the types of content that they put out. If all you do is put out content all day long that says, "Hey, I'm awesome, buy my stuff." you're just going to look like the next person. But if you're putting out content that is a benefit to your prospects that can help take their situation to the next level, you begin to elevate that, that, um, you know, that thought leadership status that you're trying to achieve. And therefore you you can then differentiate yourself from your competitors. And so can you give us, uh, I know that you have a lot of financial advisors as clients. Can you give us some examples of how they might do that? Because my sense is, you know, um, if you just say, you know, here are some really important ideas about financial planning or investment management, that that would not be enough to to successfully differentiate them. Can you give us some ideas on how um, a financial advisor might approach that thought leadership idea the way you're describing? Sure. So one way that you, you might look at it as um, starting a group on LinkedIn. Now, for, for the most part, I would say many financial advisors are probably operating out of their local network, meaning that that's what they're, uh, that's what they're targeting. And so let's say you're in, uh, let's just pick you know Denver, for instance. And if you were to start a LinkedIn group that was you know great financial resources for investing, okay, maybe. But if all of a sudden you were to start a group that's the the Denver professionals, you know, something around like the Denver Business Professionals Network, and and you start growing that group and you grow that community where you're getting high net worth individuals to to join your group, you have content that helps them further their careers, further their, I mean, at, 
you know, to a certain extent, everything is or a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of business is about making more money and trying to climb up the ladder. And that very much relates to financial advisors. And so you have an opportunity now where if you are John Doe, the financial advisor, and you are the head of the Denver Business Professionals Network Group, you look way different than John Doe, the financial advisor down the street who does the same thing that everybody else does. See, how important is this whole concept of community in in marketing today? Well, I'm not going to say that you have to have it to be successful. But one of the things that people don't realize is that having a community, you know, whether it's in an email list or whether, you know, it's in a, in a Facebook or LinkedIn group online, it provides two benefits. One, the group itself, because you control it, it's basically a giant digital billboard that people are driving by every day, right? You know, I, there's a number of studies that'll talk about how, um, you know, X percentage of people in your target market are ready to buy from you right now. You know, some studies I've seen have said, you know, say 3% right. are ready to buy from you right now. Well, that means that I could have people in my target market that are the perfect fit for me that are, are not ready to buy. And so having this community that's there to nurture them all the time also allows me to you know, kind of curate this prospect pool that I can constantly go to when I do need more sales and I do need to, to increase leads and uh, appointments. So I think it's important from the standpoint of knowing how to constantly get your name out there all the time and keep it top of mind in ways that aren't just you know running a commercial on TV saying, hey, I provide these services. If you need help, give me a call. Because a lot of times that message gets tuned out, anyways. And well, and, and uh, just to reinforce what you're saying, you know, that the, the um, one of the things that we talk about in financial advice a lot is that you know people tend to choose new advisors when there's a transit when they're going through a life transition when mm -hmm. there's something happening, and 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 you never know when that's going to happen with with the people who are in that community that you're talking about. So, you know, if you have like the Denver professional services group or something like that, you know, what, what kinds of, how would you participate in that group yourself so that you can communicate, um, you know, what you can do for folks when, when they find themselves in a transition? Yeah. So, um, I can, let me take one step back from that. Typically what I say is when you're, when you're in a community that you're running yourself, I use the 80, 20 rule, meaning that, 80% of the content that I will put out there may not directly relate to what I do. Because what I don't want to do is run this community where every single message is, hey, this is my business. I sell these services. Give me a call if you need them. Pretty soon, you'll find that no one's in your community then. Everyone will have left. There's going to be some sort of umbrella that you're going to wrap that, you know, over that community. And, you know, we're saying, you know, for, for this example, we have this Denver Professionals Group. And I need to have content that is important to those people. Uh, that other 20%, I then can use to, um, you know, then I can be a little more specific with my message, that other 20%, because I have it balanced out. And people will be more in tune with it because I will have uh, bought essentially enough goodwill from the group that they'll allow me to communicate this message because they know that I'm nurturing them through other ways. And so it just it it then comes down to uh, you know you know posting in the group content in the group uh, you know direct messaging members who you know fit a certain profile. You're talking about life transitions. 
Uh, you know, these could be things like people getting married, it could be their kids are moving out of the house. And if I have ways that I can identify those people within the community, I might even reach out to them when I notice that they're having those transitions. Right. Yeah. So, well, and go, go ahead, ahead, Julie. I'm sorry. No, no it's all you. well, no, if there's a follow up, let me know. But I know I would love uh, because we're going to dig into a lot of the details here. But can you give us a, an overview of the process that you would take advisors through in thinking about how to achieve some of what you're talking about? Yeah, it, it all starts with identifying a specific prospect profile. So from a, a financial advisor standpoint, uh, for the most part, I, I think most people want clientele that have a certain amount of investable assets. And so it, it, you're, you're, it, you're doing yourself a disservice if you just say, well, I want people who have $250,000 in investable assets. And and you just leave it at that, and you don't do well, anything. Yeah, and that because that's not a target market, right? Yeah, you're you're, yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> right. I have to, you know, I might even see some commonalities within my own clientele. I'm like, huh, I have a lot of business owners in my group, or maybe I don't have a lot of business owners in my group, but I have a lot of people for whatever reason that have been, uh, you know, long time maybe engineers. You know, you, they're definitely. You don't necessarily have to run a business to always have a lot of money. And, you know, you could have an engineer who's been an engineer for 25 years and has made $100,000 plus per year. And all of a sudden that adds up over time. And so you begin to define these things that make up the people who do have the $250,000 of investable assets. They're probably not 18. They're probably not working entry level positions. They probably have some experience in the marketplace. They obviously are going to have some sort of geographic parameter, you know, to your business because you're you're not going to service the whole entire country. You live somewhere, and so you begin to define this um, this prospect profile first, probably with more demographical type of information, the stuff that's you know black and white. People who work in these industries, they've had these types of jobs, they've had this type of income. I, I can build a pretty clear profile from that. Um, maybe I get some psychographic type of, of detail in there, how they think and feel. But for the most part, I can get a long way with saying people in this geographic area that have worked at these types of companies, had these types of titles, have this, uh, this much experience uh, in the workplace. And from there, I have to figure out how do I find those people? This is why we find LinkedIn to be such a valuable tool because I can translate a lot of that information on the LinkedIn and start looking for these people. And then from there, um, once I define that profile and I find where they're at, I then have to start positioning myself online to cater to that umbrella that I talked about. How am I trying to fit everything under this umbrella? If it, if it is, say, professionals, business professionals that are in the Denver area, cool. Uh, then I want to have that positioning on my profile and the content I put out and my status updates and things of that nature. But then once I'm positioned correctly, I have that prospect profile. I know where to go get them. I then need to build a database of those people. I need to connect with them. And then from there, I'm going to start running messaging campaigns at them uh, that will culminate in requests for phone calls that can you know, help develop the relationship and help it to grow. And and if I can if I can build on something that you said before because I, you know I think your point is is uh, is really important that you know if if you believe your target market is people who have you know two hundred fifty thousand to invest then you don't have a target market at all 
and and it goes back to what you were talking about before about creating a LinkedIn group that that Julie you know t- was talking about making into a community and um, you know you can't have a community un- unless there's something in common that you all care about mm-hmm. and you know so really when you define your target you need to define something that a group of people cares about. Because as you said, when you're going to write stuff, you, you can't just write about what you do. You have to write about the things that they care about that may not necessarily be what you do. But the opportunity there is that there's a, that, that means there's a lot more you can write about. Because if all you can write about is investing all day long, like you said, there's going to be nobody left in your group. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Ben, it doesn't sound like this is ha- going to happen overnight, right? This is, It's a nurturing process. Is that fair? Yeah, I I think it's definitely fair to say. I think that there are times where certain businesses you have to realize, well, I mean, first of all, nobody plays the cards closer to their chest than when you're talking about their own personal finances. And so is this a powerful play that you can use? Yeah, absolutely. Should I expect to send a connection request to somebody this week and have them invest that $250,000 with me in two weeks? (laughs) Right. You know, probably not. You know, I have to realize that, um, when I, I think that this is a common industry that works off of referrals. And so somebody can come in and say, Hey, my brother is a client of yours. And, uh, my brother said that I should invest with you. So here I am, I'm going to invest with you. You know, I think that that is something that can, that does, I'm not saying it happens every day, but probably is a regular enough occurrence in the industry where you start getting used to that type of referral and then you realize, well, if I want to create a lead gen strategy that will be reaching out to people I'm not getting a referral from, it's going to take some time to develop that relationship with them. No doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so you, you, you know, um, so what we're, what we're talking about really is that, that marketing is a long game. You know, when you get a referral, you, you just flip immediately into sales mode. And so you can move things right along there, but marketing is, is more of a long-term strategy. And, and so if somebody starts doing this kind of thing, you know, what, what kind of timeline do you think it would be realistic for advisors to have in mind if, if they were to start connecting with people and start generating conversations, you know, how, how long should they expect to do this before they begin to see a little bit of results trickling in? Yeah. So I, that's a great question because when you say the term results, I think we have to judge everything accordingly, meaning that, um, I have seen businesses who will talk to 20 great leads for their own business, not make any sales immediately and think, well, I put in all this work, my, my results are zero. I got nothing from it. Whereas I'm thinking, shoot, you just had 20 great conversations with people who fit your prospect profile. You should be able to close some business from that later. So how long, how long will that be? I mean, it could be, it could be six months. It could be a year. It just depends. But the key is if you don't constantly nurture them, then you won't be able to reach out to them later on to close that business then. Yeah, absolutely. So, so if, if an advisor's uh, really uh, investing the time, uh, they've got some patience, <laughs> um, building a community, as you say, whether that's an, uh, an email community or whether it's an actual group, say on LinkedIn or Facebook, um, what are some of the other considerations? And, and here I'm thinking of, you know, it's, it's, it's lovely to have a great LinkedIn group or maybe a Facebook group, but if your profile is lacking, it might not work as effectively. Is that fair? Are there other things we really need to think about? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> again, we talk about your online profiles. Even those things can be positioned a certain way. So when we talk about a community that is, you know, positioned to help a certain group and it's, you know, there's a certain umbrella that goes over it. I think that my profile, everything that's public facing goes under this positioning a lot of times. And I want to make sure that that no one confuses this and thinks, so wait, I can never talk about myself personally. I've always got to disguise it in some weird way. No, no, I don't think that that's the case. I think that these creative positioning plays are just merely used to get your foot in the door to get to get the attention off of your competitors and over to you. So I will say that. Um, and then from there, I, I think there is just some um, some low hanging fruit that comes with maintaining an online profile. Do I have a you know a headshot that you know is uh, I'm looking at the camera, I'm smiling, I can see that I'm a friendly person. Do I have a headline that has a solid benefit statement that really shows what someone can get out of a relationship with me? Do I have good content that nurtures these people and is not just a marketing brochure for my services? All of that can go into these online profiles, and I think that they're, uh, that's an important thing to think about. How would I want to be uh, or how do I want to engage with people who provide a service that that I may need? I just don't want to be pitched every single time I look at some piece of online real estate from them. And when it comes to these profiles, it's it's no different. You know, the the content, the language, the positioning, even like I said, it comes down to your picture. You'd be amazed at how many people are. They just look like they're so angry in their pictures, yeah. and you know you got. I mean, no one's gonna, no one's gonna interact with you if you're looking bitter and foul in your picture, and and I, and I think that comes from people thinking they have to look like serious business people, yeah, when they're putting them themselves right. out online. And I don't know if you have two financial advisors and one has a big smile and the other one is you know giving a dead stare into the camera. I mean, one is probably going to get more calls over the other, and I think yeah. it's obvious which one it is. And it's, a, but I think it's a it's a granular statement, but it's important because we see this all the time. And sometimes we try to get a bit cute, and we're looking off into the distance or what have you. And you know, people want to look right at you. And I mean, I don't know how many times I have seen somebody upload a photo where clearly they were at a cocktail reception. They just cut their spouse out of the picture. And <laughs> it's like it's it doesn't take a lot, right, to get some of mm -hmm. this stuff right. Yeah, I mean, well, and and when you're saying it doesn't take a lot, you know, on the flip side, I've seen people. It's clear they've hired a professional photographer to come in and take and made a big spectacle out of it only to take a terrible picture at their desk. And they're just, <laughs> you just need a picture of yourself looking at the camera and smiling. That's like 90% of it right there. Yep. Uh, um, but right. I don't want to put too much weight on an online profile picture, but let's be honest. You're, we're talking about trying to beat your competitors. <laughs> and if, if your competitor just looks very personable and very friendly and you don't, I just, your competitor is going to get more phone calls than you. That's what it comes down to. And, and you know, you bring up a really important point. As Julie was talking before about community, I, you know, when we've, we've talked with other folks who do, you know, different kinds of online engagement. And, you know, one of the things that, uh, that they've commented on is that uh, when people go to your website or they go to your LinkedIn page and they can read through your credentials and your services, I mean, it, it you know, the, 
you, they probably get the idea that you know what you're doing. And mm -hmm. so the, the, the next question then becomes, will I, will I enjoy working with this person? Will I like this person? Because if I'm going to get into this relationship, we're going to have a lot of contact time and I'm going to tell them a lot of really personal things. And, um, uh, so when, when, when you have one of these groups, um, on the one hand, you know, you, you, you don't want to spend all the, all the time talking about yourself. But I think, um, <clears throat> what are your thoughts about <clears throat> talking about some things about yourself that are not business, like being, I don't want to go so far as to say vulnerable, but, but what are your thoughts about, you know, including things in these, in these groups about, you know, you personally, as opposed to just you at work so that, you know, you can start building some of those relationships virtually. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's going to be some some personal things in there. I, I, I want to backtrack what I said earlier. I made a comment about saying, you know, so much of, uh, I alluded to something about success being all about, uh, you know, one of the main parameters in which we judge it is money. Okay. Yes. But I think for many of us, we have families, we have spouses, we have kids. We're looking to get a lot of, you know, money because we want to better our families. You know, we might, even we'd be wanting to do more community service out in the world. And so these are personal things that I can find a way to communicate those and have other prospects of mine relate to them. You know, I'm a dad and there are times when I talk about being a dad and what it means to be a dad, I can get other people to say, well, I'm a dad too. And that stuff's important to me. And so it does, you know, sometimes that vulnerability can show uh, that, you know, a particular financial advisor is really, you know, I don't want to be cliche, but is a person, a human being. And, and that's who somebody wants to interact with. They don't want to interact with a brand or interact with, uh, a logo or, you know, they want to interact with a person. They want to do business with a person they know, like, and trust. Yeah. So uh, you were talking, and I think this relates to this, about the, the process of keeping in touch once mm -hmm. you had established. So you've walked through. I just wanted to make sure we didn't miss anything there. Are there any other principles around staying in touch and nurturing those relationships that, that you want to share? Because I think that's a big, a big stumbling block and a big challenge for a lot of us. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple things with it. I will be honest. I, I've talked to a number of financial advisors over the years. And there are times where um, within our system, we talk about running messaging campaigns, right? What I mean by that is I connect with someone on LinkedIn who fits my prospect profile. I want to send that person a message. I want to send them a second message. Maybe I'm going to send them five messages. And at the end of the fifth message, I'm going to ask for a phone call. And there are times when I, uh, I've talked to financial advisors who will say, yeah, no one's picked up the phone and called me. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, you have to call them. And yeah. if you talk to them, you've got to stay in front of them. You know, if you have a prospect who you think's a good fit, it may take a number, you know, there's all these studies out there that show the number of touch points it takes to get a sale. It may take 19 touch points. That doesn't mean you need to have 19 coffee meetings. But when you get, you know, a number of status updates on LinkedIn, a number of messages, a couple phone calls, maybe a meeting here or there, I think people need to understand that's, you know, you have to be top of mind for someone to choose you for your services. And so when you're talking about keeping in touch, that's, I think, what it takes today is making sure, I don't want everyone to think that they have to be everywhere at all times, 
but I can't just message someone two or three times and then hopefully 12 months down the road, they'll remember me when, you know, they, they have some sort of need to, to invest some, you know, some money that they have. And that's just, it, 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 that won't be good enough. It won't work. So I need to figure out a way to stay top of mind through messaging them, making sure I'm still well positioned on these social media platforms. And I will say this, I've seen people who have taken that community, that online group that they've started and have turned it into an offline meeting group. You know, who's to say that you can't have some, have a, a networking group that meets once a month. Cause I've had clients do this, a networking group that meets once a month, you bring in a speaker you know, you provide a little bit of, of coffee and bagels and, you know, some, some stuff for breakfast. And, you know, we have clients that have, that have grown their group into an offline networking community and they'll have, you know, 150, 200 people show up to an event once a month. And that becomes a very powerful play. And yeah. you, who do you think MCs the event? Who do you, whose name is front sure. and center on, you know, and so you get a lot of real estate and I, I, this is where, we are at a place now where it's not just marketing is not just running a commercial on TV or taking out an ad in the newspaper where it is that direct the, the, the first time I lay my eyes on you, I see your business. I know what it does. It's different now. And, uh, because of that, I think we need to be more creative and more on top of our game when it comes to these different strategies. And when, so when we were talking before, we started by talking about LinkedIn, and, and we're now talking about things that are beyond that. Are there other kinds of strategies beyond the LinkedIn that, that tie into this whole over overarching strategy? Yeah, I think it can be taken a, a lot of our – let me back up one second. We, we have a couple programs where we teach this these strategies, and we like to say that they're platform agnostic, meaning that we focus on LinkedIn because it's a very good tool – but we do a lot of marketing on Facebook. We do a lot of email marketing. And at, you know, I made a comment about you, ne you can't necessarily be everywhere all the time. Maybe that's the case, but you can set up shop on a number of different platforms. What it really comes down to is where do the people hang out at? I talked about defining that prospect profile. If you can find your, your people on Facebook, then you should be targeting them on Facebook. And there are ways to target them on Facebook. There's ways to target them on LinkedIn and there's ways to build email databases of them as well. And so as many places as I can go to find my prospects and build relationships with them, I want to try and be on that platform. What do you think about paid social like Facebook ads for that process? Yeah, it can be a really powerful play. Uh, some very successful financial advisors that I've seen make that work will hold uh, you know, monthly seminars, especially if they're, they might, one strategy might be to hold monthly seminars that talk about, uh, retirement planning. And especially on something like Facebook, you, that's a platform you can target by age in their ad platform. And so you could start looking at, you know, 50 to 60, 55 to 65, somewhere in there and run ads promoting your seminars. If you run an ad, that's basically, hey, click here to book a call to figure out how to invest all your money with me by next Tuesday. <laughs> Not that. Yeah, I mean, it probably, <laughs> that's, that doesn't work. Yeah, I don't really? want. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, ruin anyone's dreams here. But yeah, there's a good chance, <laughs> there's a good chance you won't make any money doing that. 
But when you're, you know, again, this, this is kind of the expertise in the content piece. If you're doing a seminar on retirement planning and your competitor is not, you might win that game because those people are going to think, ah, we should go with this guy because clearly he's an expert. He was speaking on it. He does these events. It's a very powerful play. And I see a lot of financial advisors that, that, um, they, they can, they can sometimes struggle with trying to get out of that referral mindset, right? Cause no sale is easy. Okay. I always talk about that. If you make a layup in the NBA, the amount of training that you had to do to make that layup is pretty insane. No sale is, I never call a sale a layup, but when you make a lot of referral type sales, they can be much easier than a non-referral type sale. And you have to realize that the people who end up winning the game are the people who get good at those non-referral type sales because they can control the system. And page, paid social is a great way to do that. You know, sem running seminars and running ads to get people to sign up for those seminars. It's a very, very powerful play. Okay. What, what are, are there, we're, we're sort of coming up on time now, but mm -hmm. are there any other main principles, main ideas that you would want to communicate to our listeners before, uh, before we wrap up? I mean, we kind of talked about it already, but I think having an understanding of the long game, and I don't want anyone to get scared by that and think, so what, I have to invest a million dollars in marketing today and maybe I'll get it back several years down the road. I don't think so. I don't think you need to look at it like that, but I do see a number of people who think that, uh, you know, if I do something today, I get the check in the mail tomorrow and we just need to judge things accordingly. You know, that if I'm going to talk to new prospects, it's going to take some time and I have to judge my, um, you know, my, my, my marketing tactics accordingly in the sense that if I've ran some ads and I'm getting people to my seminar, that's what I'm judging my ads on. I'm not necessarily looking at how many sales I've gotten because that's a couple steps down the process. I just am looking at, am I getting quality people into my seminars? If the answer is yes, then I can evaluate, are those people closing or not closing? Now I'll evaluate my sales conversation. But I won't remove, say, my, uh, my top of the funnel tactics if my bottom of the funnel results aren't working. Hopefully that makes sense. I judge each piece of my process accordingly. And so when it comes to long game strategies, I, I have a certain degree of patience and understanding about what that looks like. I think it's very, very important for a business to have a hold on that sort of uh, mentality and mindset. I, I, I find it hilarious that a lot of the people who, you know, say, well, I, I, I ran an ad, why don't I have new clients, are, are the same ones who would be aghast if, if a client came to them and said, well, I invested two weeks ago, where's my return? Oh, that's, that's exactly right. A lot of times we don't understand that the very um, shortcomings in the mindset that we have are the very things that we frustrate, that we get frustrated by when our clients behave that way. You know, right. and, and so, yeah, right. to, it's to, it totally correlates and, and you have to have a certain amount of uh, awareness, self-awareness when it comes to uh, uh, this topic and these strategies. So so what's a first step for, for advisors? What should they put on their to-do list today as, as a way of starting to, to, to get started in some of these things? Yeah, I think the first thing would be to take a platform like LinkedIn and to start looking at what do I, what does my LinkedIn profile look like? So there's the first thing. And I would start thinking about how can I start connecting with more people 
on a platform like LinkedIn that fit the profile of who I want to target. And you start doing that research, it'll start taking you down the rabbit hole. You know, Then you're going to say, well, let me connect with some of them. And you can start building a process on top of that. Maybe even more so the thing that starts with today is really getting that clear prospect profile so that when you do go out on the LinkedIn, you have, um, you have something that guides you to figure out who you want to start connecting with. That's great. That's great. So, so Ben, um, if people want, so you run a company called Linked Selling. Um, where where can people find out more about about that if they wanted to get your help in doing that? Sure, absolutely. I mean, the best place you might imagine is going to be our website, LinkedSelling.com. And if you go to our website, we actually have a number of um, free webinars and free trainings that people can sign up for that will take you even more in-depth into these processes than what I was able to do uh, on this call today. So if you, uh, if you go there, you can sign up for one of our webinars. We have a lot of free content. We have a lot of great content. And that, that's, that's probably one of the best first steps. If any of this material has resonated with you, going to our website and kind of just digesting the content that we have on there. That's great. Well, Ben Niffen, thank you so much for joining us today. There's a lot of really good information on this uh, on this episode, and, and we really appreciate your sharing yeah, this absolutely. with all of our listeners. Yep. Yep. I appreciate it. And hopefully uh, everybody in your community finds it valuable and um, uh, hopefully they can do something with it. Thanks very much. Take care. Hi, it's Julie again. It was great to have you with us on Becoming Referrable. If you like what you've been hearing, please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It really does help. You can get all the links, show notes, and other tidbits from these episodes at becomingreferrable.com. You can also get our free report, Three Referral Myths That Limit Your Growth, and connect with our blogs and other resources. Thanks so much for joining us.